This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Zoomer Week in Review, brought to you by CARP, a new vision of aging. Support CARP with your membership today. Visit carp.ca. Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Snymer. Will Aeroplan's revamped rewards make it easier to fly on points? And Shoppers Drug Mart is getting into the business of managing medical clinics. What does that mean for patients? But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Are you a morning person or a night owl? That may have a lot to do with your physical activity habits. A study out of Finland found that morning and day people moved significantly more than the evening types, even when researchers controlled for their health professions and socioeconomic status. Most of this extra activity was not formal exercise, but it added up. For morning men, the difference amounted to about 30 minutes more of walking each day, and for women about 20 minutes more than among night owls. Sweden's policy of allowing the controlled spread of COVID-19 among the population has so far failed to deliver the country's goal of herd immunity. Rather than imposing a hard lockdown, Sweden's strategy was to rely on people's individual responsibility to curtail the spread of the disease. The health authorities predicted that 40% of the Stockholm population would have had the disease and acquired antibodies by May. However, the actual prevalence figure was around 15 percent, while the rates of viral infection, hospitalization, and mortality were much higher than in neighboring Scandinavian countries. In addition, the higher infection and mortality rates continued well beyond the few critical weeks period seen in Denmark, Finland, and Norway. A 96-year-old World War II veteran just graduated college to become Italy's oldest university graduate. Giuseppe Paterno grew up poor and wasn't able to finish high school until he was 31. But this week, surrounded by classmates some 70 years younger, this nonagenarian received his diploma from the University of Palermo with a degree in history and philosophy. He kept it old school while studying using a typewriter and hard copies of books. Paterno says knowledge is like a suitcase he carries with him. George W. Bush is set to publish a book with his paintings of 43 immigrants. The former U.S. president says he hopes his work will focus attention on the positive impacts of immigrants, an issue that now sets him apart from many of his fellow Republicans. The book includes 43 portraits by the 43rd president, along with essays he's written about each of them. Sumner Redstone, the billionaire entrepreneur who built a media empire, has died at 97. He served as executive chairman of CBS and Viacom and built his family's drive-in theater chain into a global empire worth $3 billion. But in his 90s, he became the center of a jilted lover's lawsuit that nearly cost his family his financial legacy. Redstone often boasted that he would live forever. 
I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. For years, it was a source of irritation for millions of loyal Air Canada customers collecting Aeroplan points. Now the airline is revamping its loyalty program to make it easier to book seats. It's part of an effort to boost membership while the global travel industry is devastated by COVID-19. I talked to Toronto Star columnist and consumer advocate Ellen Roseman. It's been a long time coming. They announced it in 2017 that Air, Air Canada would be buying it back from EMEA, which is uh, it was spun off from Air Canada as a separate company. And then I think they announced that the changes were coming in January 2019, and they're coming into effect November 2020, so almost two years. But it looks like a lot of changes are happening and a lot of good changes, so that's exciting. The big thing is that you can now book a seat on any flight as opposed to it used to be that only a few seats on a flight would be eligible for points. Yes, yes. They announced in the past a few things where more seats would be eligible, but many people found that the seats were so hard to get. And it was so hard to book flights, as you were saying, that you had to call the company and pay $30, I think, to have like a customer service person try and help you book those flights. So it was just a a disincentive. And I know a lot of people, including me, have several hundred thousand points just sitting around and hoping we'll use them one day, but uh, we haven't been too active using them. So some of the things that they're doing is trying to make it more attractive to use them for merchandise and making the merchandise more accessible, but also that the points now are based on the cost of the flight rather than the mileage of the flight. So considering if you want to go to Australia, that's a very, very long trip. So you'd be paying, you know, like two or three times what you'd be paying to go to Vancouver. But now when it's based on the price, if there's a lot of competition on Australian flights, you might be paying, you know, just a little bit more than what what you might be paying to go to Vancouver. So that the gap between the longer flights and the shorter flights will, will diminish. It used to be that you'd have to pay a lot more if you wanted to get certain seats. So now the the number of points will be the same no matter where you book it? That isn't clear to me. They're saying that every seat on the flight will be available for Aeroplan bookings, but they're not saying that it will be the same cost no matter where you book. And remember, too, that you can use your points to upgrade and things like that, but it'll be easier to upgrade using your points because before it was horrendously expensive. So, A lot of the details will have to wait until November, but they are saying that it will be a lot easier to find seats to book because in the past, a lot of flights, you know, once they used up their eight or 10 airplane seats, that was the end of it. They're also making it easier for you to share your points with family and friends. Yeah, that's excellent, right? Up to eight people if they're traveling on the same uh, reservation as you are. And they're sharing the points, but they're also um, able to take advantage of Features like uh, you get your first suitcase book for free, which on a lot of flights you don't unless you're an Aeroplan customer. Now, is part of that because they understand that business travel isn't going to be coming back anytime soon and they're pinning their hopes on customers, consumers coming back? Yes. I think probably there's going to be a reluctance to fly even though the airlines talk about their great filtration systems and all that. But, you know, in the fall and winter, if COVID comes back, I think the last place anyone will want to be is on an airplane. But 
with all these new features, they hope to attract new members to Airplan. They've got about four or five million, and they're saying that they might get another couple million, and that will help, I guess, stabilize Air Canada's profits or reduce their losses and help them get back to a healthy operating level. And I think that they have a lot at stake here to show that this is a good launch of a new program. And if it's if the take-up isn't great, they probably will bring in more inducements just to make sure that they get up to the uh, activity that they want from new members and existing members. What's your take on it? What's your your assessment? I have some uh, American Express points as well that are not a great amount. And every time they would send me some info on how I could use my points, I had way too little. I had 28,000 or something. But after I read all the things that Air- Airplane was doing, I immediately called Air Can- Air- American Express and said I want to transfer my points to Aeroplan because it's just a one-on-one transfer. It's very easy to do. So now I've got more pl- points on Aeroplan. And I'm optimistic for now, you know, cautiously optimistic, as they say, but I think that it's going to be a lot better than the, the, the Aeroplan uh, system that we were used to before. Okay, well, a lot of people uh, have spent a lot of time complaining about Aeroplan, and I have to say, personally, I I haven't been able to book a reasonable Aeroplan flight in, you know, 20 years. I know. There's just so many things that were wrong with it. There was a time where I think I probably got 10 or 20 Aeroplan complaints every day. That was when they started expiring people's points for inactivity and nobody knew about it and they didn't tell people and they didn't uh, put it on their website and now everybody's doing it. And and the good news is, and this was apart from the changes announced this week, that they're giving you now 18 months instead of 12 months before your your points will expire for inactivity. So they've realized, I guess, that we're not flying so much and uh, we're probably not shopping as much, so they have to give us a bit more time to be able to... Uh, to stay active. My issue was that unless you wanted to pay extra for your, quote, points flights, that you couldn't book a flight on Aeroplan. I mean, I sort of gave up when, you know, several months before a flight to Vancouver in low season. And, you know, if you want to change planes three times, that's great. Yeah, it was difficult uh, because of all these extra taxes, right? And all of a sudden you saw fuel surcharges and you're thinking, well, there's no fuel surcharge on a regular flight, so why am I paying it on on an awards rewards flight? And uh, that was kind of a scam. But now they say that there won't be as many surcharges, especially when you're using another carrier in the Star Alliance, which Air Canada belongs to. There still will be the taxes, but maybe you'll get a bit of a break on them. And you can also use your points to pay for taxes, which in the past, until about a year ago, you couldn't. Okay. Anything else you want to leave us with? If you're not an Aeroplan member, they're offering 2,500 free points if you join. So that's pretty good. Ellen Roseman, thanks so much. Thanks, Libby. Bye-bye. Bye. That was columnist and consumer advocate Ellen Roseman. The new Aeroplan program takes effect November 8th. There's a new medical clinic in the Lawrence and Dufferin area of Toronto, but it's not being run by the doctors who work there. It's a pilot clinic opened by Shoppers Drug Mart, one of three test clinics planned for the GTA this year. The company says their model will make it easier and more convenient for patients to get primary care. I reached Teresa Firestone, Senior Vice President of Health and Wellness at Shoppers Drug Mart, which is owned by Loblaw Companies. 
we saw many patients, and particularly many of our patients and customers during COVID, have challenges accessing primary care. And so our goal is really to be able to help patients have access to primary care. What kind of a clinic are you opening up? It's a managed clinic. By that, I mean uh, being managed by shoppers. Um, It is a primary care clinic. So it is providing primary medical services, so physician services. Um, We will, over time, add additional services. So, for example, uh, we would expect to add physio and perhaps some other affiliated health services. What's it like? Is it a walk-in clinic? He would make appointments. Um, our physicians are taking on new patients. There are extended hours, so it is um, open longer than um, traditional uh, physicians' offices. So we are open Monday to Thursday until 7, and then we're open on Friday till 12.30, and we will, we aren't at the moment, but um, in the fall we will be open on weekends and we will be taking walk-ins at that time. In terms of the need for it and the demand for it, it has been very difficult for patients during COVID because a lot of uh, physicians' offices were closed because of COVID uh, for all kinds of reasons, and partly because it wasn't until partway through that they even had a billing code for a virtual visit. So... What makes you believe that the need for this will continue after the pandemic? Even before COVID, that there are many people who don't have access to a primary care physician. And so one of our goals is to ensure that our customers have easy access to health care when they need it. So we believe that that need will exist there before COVID and will certainly continue I'm assuming that it's still going to be covered as fee-for-service for physicians and that you will be managing the clinics for them. So will you get part of the fee-for-service or will your physicians be on salary? How is it going to work from that point of view? So the physicians will continue to bill OHIP for services that are covered by OHIP. Um, We will um, charge the physicians a management fee. That management fee, for that management fee, we um, operate the clinic, um, so that certainly the clinic staff are covered in that, um, as well as um, just managing uh, managing billing, as well as any administrative services. And really, the focus there is that then the healthcare provider, the physician, can spend their time directly with patients and helping patients, as opposed to on administrative tasks. And we particularly saw this during COVID when. Uh, particularly early on uh, when there was um, a bit of a scramble for physicians to get access to PPE, personal protective equipment, and also just be able to manage in a completely new environment. Do you see this as kind of a, a new model? I mean, physicians are small business people and, uh, you know, generally people who go into medicine and administration is not necessarily their forte. Well, that's one of the reasons that we're we're initiating this pilot because we believe that physicians' time is much better spent doing direct patient care and not on administrative tasks. Um, it, it's in, in many cases not their area of expertise and not their area of interest. And you know it can be a distraction, particularly as I said during COVID, where there are a lot of extra things to to worry about at the moment. So um, we believe that um, there are a number of physicians who would be 
very happy to operate in this model. And how do you come up with uh, the amount of money you charge for management? Are there industry standards for that or what? There are not industry standards that we're aware that I'm aware of. We based it on um, you know an assessment that we did looking at the kinds of services and support that we are providing uh, to physicians. And can I ask what the what the fee is? I, I can't share that. Okay, it's an interesting idea. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. That was Teresa Firestone, Senior Vice President of Health and Wellness at Shoppers Drug Mart. That brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Week in Review. I'm Libby Snymer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.